Hey, welcome back. It's the Killer Music Podcast, coming and sponsored by the historic Y in beautiful Tucson, Arizona, the hub for the fine arts and not-so-fine arts. Um, This week, we're doing an episode on the late, great Nina Simone. Like this podcast? No. <laughs> and welcome back. It's good to be with you again. Um, this, my name is Mortimer Bustos. I'm your host, and we also have Paul is here. And we are going to be talking about Nina Simone, but let's go into the uh, any the the things that might be happening in Tucson tonight. Um, Kid Congo Powers, along with Angela Bowie, nice, is going to be at Wooden Tooth Records. It's a tiny little record store, so that should be really interesting. Some of my friends are playing there too. Um, so oh, please, if you're if you're not doing anything, it's a Thursday night and just pop on over there it starts at eight o'clock and uh kid congo powers if anybody doesn't know was um he was in nick cave and the bad seeds for a spell and also a founding member of the awesome punk rock band the gun club nina simone is um just hyper legendary she's legendary for her fierce stance in the civil rights movement her, um, she had the ability to scare the shit out of people, and she really did. And like some formidable people, she didn't. She didn't take any shit. She was. She was real. Her um, aura it just came off as like super intense. Yeah. And her nice. eyes could just burn a hole. I, even through through the documentary I was watching. There's a great documentary on Netflix called What Happened to Nina Simone. And I suggest you check that out because it's really interesting. Yeah, she could uh, steal the air out of a room and she could steal the air out of an arena. Mm-hmm. Quite impressive. But I'm going to let Paul do a little bio Okay. on her. We pulled this from the Wikipedia just I've to give you a me. quick one. And then we're just going to chat and talk about that for a while. Yeah, um, well, her, her birth name was Eunice Kathleen Wayman. I think it's Eunice. Eunice. So yeah, you ain't from the South, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Eunice Kathleen Wayman, born on uh, February 21st, 1933. She changed her name to Nina Simone later on in her professional career. She was an American singer, songwriter, musician, arranger, and civil rights activist. Her music spanned a broad range of musical styles, including classical, jazz, blues, folk, R&B, gospel, and pop. She was... Um, the sixth of eight children born to a poor family in Tyrone, North Carolina. Okay, North Carolina's coming up in the, uh, if anybody's interested, the, uh, in the Democratic primary. Um, they're going to South Carolina, then obviously they're going to North Carolina, so they'll be uh, the uh, uh, birthplace of, hold on, wait for it, Eunice Wayman. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> 
Um, so she was initially aspired to be a concert pianist. With the help of a few supporters in her hometown, she enrolled in the Juilliard School of Music. Prestigious Juilliard. She then applied for a scholarship to study at the, well, prestigious Curtis Institute of Music in Philadelphia, where she was denied admission despite a well-received audition, which she attributed to racial discrimination. In 2003, just days before her death, the Institute awarded her an honorary degree. To make a living, Simone started playing piano at a nightclub in Atlantic City. She changed her name to Nina Simone to disguise herself from family members, having chosen to play the devil's music, or so-called cocktail piano. She was told in a nightclub that she would have to sing on her own to her own accompaniment, which effectively launched her career as a jazz vocalist. She went on to record more than 40 albums between 1958 and 1974, making her debut with Little Blue Girl. No, it's Little Little Girl Blue. Little Girl Blue. Sorry. <laughs> little Blue Girl, was she a Sing. Smurf? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, dude, I'm like d- dyslexic over here. She had a hit single in the United States in 1958 with I Loves You, Porgy. 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 Sorry. I, I, I'm really familiar with that. That's a Gershwin song. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I heard Bess. Yeah. Yeah, cool stuff. Her musical style fused gospel and pop with classical music, in particular Johann Sebastian Bach, and accompanied impressive jazz-like singing in her contralato voice. Yeah, uh, Nina Simone was a trained classical pianist. <laughs> she was Penis. P- pianist. 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 She wasn't a nudist fluist. No, she was not. And uh, that that was actually her passion, even well, well above jazz. And you can hear in some of her songs when she's going, when the band's just going off in this elaborate jazz piece, you can hear her whipping out these uh, Bach scales. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my God, that's amazing. But she was uh, kind of, that was probably one of the big regrets in her life because she would have rather, instead of like a torch singer or a jazz singer, she would have really just preferred to have been known for her classical chops Mm -hmm. and playing classical music because I think that's the music she adored above all. Nice. And she just really dug Bach. Mm -hmm. Me too. That was her favorite All right, so you, so you, were you listening to that scale at the beginning? Yeah, it just sounded so bocky to me. For <laughs> it was so, so Bach. It was just really Bach. Nina Simone will be Bach. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry about that.
Yeah, if you can't if you can't hear like the total baroque style yeah. right there, it was just really interesting to do. That's super cool. In the middle of a, in her her jazz solo was Bach. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. And that being said, Nina, I'm sorry you didn't weren't better known for your killer Bach chops. Classical you, chops. Classical chops. Yeah. You um, deserved more than most in this world. And you did okay for yourself. But uh, we're going to go into a little bit of the era that Nina Simone, being an African-American woman, trying to make it in this business during the 50s and 60s. And that was a really different time. But as we've learned from the way the world is now, that that feeling and that same sort of racism, that shit is just as prevalent as ever. So it's very important that we talk about this. It's a very important chapter in Nina's life, a chapter that never got to end until she ended. So we'll talk about that. <laughs> so we're going to jump around the timeline a little bit and uh, explain or try to explain what kind of um, a temperament Nina had, and it was pretty erratic because in uh, the 80s, she was diagnosed with a bipolar disorder, and she frightened many, many people. She was a very intimidating force, and uh, they didn't know what bipolar disorder was, basically, till the 80s, so, Mm -hmm. like, in in the 50s and 60s, they're just probably thinking, oh my god, this, she's batshit, and she's gonna kill me, (laughs) and later on, she, she was diagnosed and did take medications for that, um, but we're, uh, we'll let Paul read a little bit here. Simone was regarded as the most influential recording artist of the 20th century, according to Ricky Vincent, She was a pioneering musician whose career was characterized by fits of outrage and improvisational genius. Pointing to her composition of Mississippi Goddamn, Vincent said Simone broke the mold, having the courage as an established black musical entertainer to break from the norms of the industry and produce direct social commentary in her music during the early 1960s. In naming Simone the 29th greatest singer of all time, Rolling Stone magazine wrote, that her honey-coated, slightly adenal... Oh, fuck, what the hell? Word is that? Say, this is going to be a good one. Her cry was one of the most affecting voices of the civil rights movements. While making note of her ability to um, belt barroom blues, croon cabaret, and explore jazz, sometimes all in a single record, in the opinion of all music's Mark Deming, she was one of the most gifted vocalists of her generation, and also one of the most eclectic. Creed Taylor, who annotated the liner notes for Simone's 1978 Baltimore album, said the singer possessed a magnificent intensity that turns everything, even the most simple, mundane phrase or lyric, into a radiant, poetic message. Jim Fusilli, music critic for the Wall Street Journal, writes that Simone's music is still relevant today. It didn't adhere to empirical trends, It isn't a relic of a bygone era. Her vocal delivery and technical skills as a pianist still dazzle, and her emotional performances have a visceral impact. She is loved or feared, adored or disliked, Maya Angelou wrote in in 1970. Mm. But few who have met her uh, music or glimpsed her soul react with moderation. 
Robert Christgau, reviewing her album Baltimore, wrote that her penchant for the mundane renders her intensity as bogus as her mandarin melismas and pronunciation. Move over, Inspector Clouseau. The rote flatting of her vocal improvisations. <laughs> Regarding her piano playing, he dismissed Simone as a middle-brow keyboard tickler whose historic roles insert unconvincing emotion into a song. I disagree, sir. Yeah. Yeah, these critics, these critics always go up there and they talk about musicians. Most critics can't play themselves, and so they're going to judge. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've heard this. It's like it's like people that fucking criticize cheese. Yeah, it's a different taste for everybody. Exactly, man. He later attributed his general negative appraisal to Simone's consistent seriousness of manner, depressive tendencies, and her classical background. Oh, she wasn't nice enough to him? Uh-huh. Uh, she's not nice, so fuck her. She's not talented. Fuck yeah. you, dude. What a douche. <laughs> she didn't fit into the framework of wh- how she was supposed to act. So, therefore, he's just going to dismiss her wholesale. And that's kind of the way fucking dudes did it back then. Yeah. And picture yourself in a boat on a roof. Picture yourself. Um, I mean, it's coming from we're dudes. I thought you were gonna start singing that Beatles song. I, I was. I was just fucking with you. Um, picture picture yourself on a boat in a river with tangerine trees and marshmallow skies. Marmalade. No. Oh, mar- <laughs> I like. I'd rather have a marshmallow sky. Yeah, that's more. That's more accurate. <laughs> Actually, the marshmallows make more sense. Yeah, because of the clouds. No, but imagine, I mean, being a woman back then was, they, they were dis, they were discounted and looked down upon as, discounted as human beings, basically. I mean, and it's still happening to this day. I'm not saying it, it's, we're not even there yet. But back then, it was really rough. And then if you were of an ethnic persuasion, which... Nina Simone persuasion. Nina Simone was openly black. <laughs> she, she was, and it, it's impressive how she she just took no shit. She took no prisoners. Well, why would you? I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, th- there's like this show. This show that's on the documentary that I watched. Um, what happened to Nina Simone on Netflix? You can check it out yourself, or just listen to some of these schniblets from this podcast. But there is a uh, part where she's in concert, and she's got the band wailing, and she's owning the audience. The audience is, like, in in her clutches. And she's just like, are we going to burn down their houses? Are we going to get our guns? Are we going to kill these motherfuckers? And yeah. she's, she's screaming this crazy, it's like crazy, a call for violence. And it's most impressive. <laughs> well, I mean, the racists were violent to to them, so I mean, it's yeah. just it's just to give them a taste of their own damn medicine. That's what Mississippi Goddamn was written about. It was yeah. like the uh, when they bombed those those the churches and killed those kids and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This was really happening. This is what white people were doing in the South to black people. 
This is why we have songs like Strange Fruit, mm-hmm. which Billy Holiday, and it turns out you would think that uh, there was some respect for Billy Holiday, but I don't think Nina Simone liked her very much. Oh, That's, yeah? And that was something I found strange. Well, it's contradictory because I've heard some reports that she that she was friends with her, and then I heard reports that she thought Billy Holiday was shit. Hmm. So I don't know which one, which Nina Simone to believe on that one. Yeah, I mean they were both kind of punk rock ladies back then. They were <laughs> punk rock ladies, <clears throat> but they, they also um, both of them are were known to have stayed in extremely abusive relationships yeah. mm-hmm. for a long time. And back then, like I'm explaining anything to you now, but it was like taboo to to not veer away from your the impulse, the society-driven narrative that you have to kowtow to a man and you have to listen to him even if he is full of shit or right. he is a violent, drunken asshole that smacks you around and shit and cheats on you. You stay with that person and serve them. It's yeah, it's completely Bullshit. fucked. I prefer my relationships um, my an even thing to where we equally give each other shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it should be I agree mm-hmm. um, because no nobody nobody gets to own anybody I mean it's got to be mutual this is my opinion anyway I think I think to be equal is like it's a given relationships are a give and take but back then it was way different and it was a lot harder especially for an ambitious black woman from the south you know talk about talk about some racist shit that was going on there was segregation people couldn't drink at the same water fountains people couldn't ride in the front of the bus or or the yeah yeah and especially for like a minority i feel it was a a man whose lady was more successful than him that's just like even more excuse for the guy to be a complete asshole well (laughs) nina simone's husband was her uh basically her manager right so and she accused him and she he worked her really hard to be successful but there came a point to where she was barely getting any sleep Mm -hmm. and she was working forever and ever and he would never just let her it's just like hey dude i want to take a year off Mm -hmm. i was like no 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 no. we can't do that we can't do that no let's get you out there keep going and going and going and pretty much tried to run her out of gas and use her like a like farm equipment Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i mean and that's and he did beat her eventually he uh he does um admit his guilt but a little too late dude but he did push her and he he's partially responsible for her star and that's a really fucked up thing to say but he he was um a super pushy dude yeah <laughs> and he and he made sure that they, they got paid well and they went from like poverty to owning nice houses and doing all the stuff but you know who actually had the talent that was actually making that Right. It, it's it's the talent, and that was Nina Simone. But he was more on, he was more on the the pencil pusher and the guy that got shit done. And he didn't take shit from promoters either. He was like they got their fucking fair shake. Except um, this awesome peach of a dude would also give her money in smaller increments. And I think he was 
probably ripping her off a bit. Well, yeah, I'm sure. And he used her for her talent. Yep. And I don't, it's not in history, so I can't possibly say if she would have done that without him. Who knows? Because that's not what happened. That would be um, just uh, hyperbolic history. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. Well, I'm sure there'd be some other dickhead to swing in and take that role. <laughs> maybe not as, not as pushy or whatever, but maybe more violent. But yeah, she she laid back into him too. Yeah, and I'm and sure. <laughs> like in the end, she didn't take that shit until the end as much as Billie Holiday. Right. Like, like really took that shit, but uh, after a while, yeah, Nina would definitely bean his ass back. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I think we should talk a little bit. Uh, this is a little Wikipedia thing about uh, her temper and some of her outbursts. But uh, known for her temper the frequent, in frequent outbursts, in 1985, Simone fired a gun at a record company executive whom she accused of stealing royalties. Simone said she tried to kill him but missed. And I remember this part of the, <laughs> of the thing where she's laughing because of that. She was like, I wanted to kill him. I fucking wanted to kill him, but I missed. And it's like, it's like, like damn a it. damn it. <laughs> Simone was diagnosed with, um, in 1995, and she's quite a bit older in 1995, mm-hmm. okay? Her career started in the early 50s mm-hmm. through the 60s. So yeah. she's, yeah, she's um, quite a bit older in 1995. She's 60-something. Well, well, anyway, she shot and wounded her neighbor's son with an air gun after the boy's laughter disturbed her concentration. <laughs> so so Nina's like hanging outside, maybe on her porch there, uh, mm-hmm. rocking back and forth and just getting a good stare on. Any of you guys out there just get like a really good stare and it sucks <laughs> for it to get interrupted? Yeah. Yeah. I think, out. I think she had a good stare. So who wouldn't just shoot a child? Yeah, like, damn it, boy. <laughs> Forget, you know, just getting taken, taken out of that moment of t- tranquility. <laughs> It's only natural. You did the right thing, Nina. I'm <laughs> I'm judging you very positively on your actions there. A good stare. It sucks when one of those get wasted. <laughs> According to a biographer, Simone took medication for a condition from the mid-60s onward. Although she was supposedly only known to a small group of intimates, she was kept she kept it out of the public for many years until 2004. When the biography Breakdown and Let Them All Out, written by Sylvia Hampton and David Nathan, was published posthumously, singer-songwriter Janice Ian, a one-time friend of Simone's, related in her own autobiography, Society's Child, My Autobiography, two instances to illustrate Simone's validity validity, and one instance where she was forced where she forced a shoe store cashier at gunpoint to take back a pair of sandals that she'd already worn, and another in which Simone demanded a royalty payment from Ian herself as an exchange for having recorded one of Ian's songs, and then she ripped a payphone out of its wall when she was refused. (laughs) Yeah, well, I don't know. Nina, you, you can't. You can if you're Nina Simone, maybe, but you know you already putting your your footses in the sandals. <laughs> they might not take them back. Shoes are uh, are questionable. It's like this underwear. It's like these underwear are uncomfortable. You can't take them. Nobody wants them back. Yeah, 
But I mean, I think the bipolarity, like you, you swing from I'm just gonna go return these sandals, and then they're like, I don't no, like, like these sandals. What the fuck? And you just like immediately <laughs> switch to rage mode. Right, right, right. That's a definite possibility. Yeah, it's a, I'm just saying the practice of returning, like, the, you can consider shoes intimate wear. All your foot funk goes into your shoes. Well, but you got socks on. It's gross, but you're still getting your shoe funk in there. Yeah. That's why it's hard for me to buy, like, go to the thrift store and get you shoes. And But then I know people yeah, that do it with no problem. Just spray that stuff up. I'm not discounting anybody that goes. I used to have a, I, used, I bought one pair of used shoes. That, that were, they, were they fine? They were awesome. They I've, were bought you, I've, I've purchased used shoes before. It's not... Yeah. So the big deal with that thought is always in the back yeah, of my mind like, that um, Howie, I have a Howie Mandel moment. Right. Yeah, where I'm just like, no, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, what happened? It made me like, oh, oh well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell us about some of the awards Nina has, Nina has received in her lifetime. She was a recipient of a Grammy Hall of Fame award in 2000 for her interpretation of I Loves You, Porgy, on Human Kindness Day in 1974 in Washington, D.C., more than 10,000 people paid tribute to Simone. Simone received two honorary degrees in music and humanities from Amherst College and Malcolm X College. She preferred to be called Dr. Nina Simone after these honors were bestowed upon her. She was inducted to the Rocket Hall of Fame in 2018. Two days before her death, Simone learned she would be awarded an honorary degree by the Curtis Institute of Music the music school that had refused to admit her as a student at the beginning of her career. Simone also received four career Grammy Award nominations, two during her lifetime and two posthumously. In 1968, she received her first nomination for the Best Female R&B Vocal Performance for the track You'll Go to Hell hmm. from her 13th album, Silk and Soul. The award went to Respect by Aretha Franklin. She garnered a second nomination in the category in 1971 for her Black Gold album when she again lost to Franklin for Don't Play That Song, You Lied. Ironically, Franklin would again win for her cover of Simone's Young, Gifted, and Black two years later. In the same category which Simone's Black Gold album was nominated and features Simone's original version of Young, Gifted, and Black. What the fuck? It's a whack. In 2016, Simone... Uh, posthumously received a nomination for Best Music Film for the Netflix documentary What Happened, Nina Simone. There's just another promo. Go check out What Happened, Nina Simone. And it's a fascinating documentary. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it yet, actually. I want to check it out. In 2018, she received a nomination for the Best Rap Song as a, singer, as a songwriter for Jay-Z's The Story of O.J. from his 444 album which contained a sample of four women by Nina Simone. At least they're at least her they're giving her her um twenty eight dollars. <laughs> no, no, I mean her her estate. Respect. Her estate, I guess. Estate? Yeah. They're they're giving her name an award at least. I mean Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I didn't I didn't catch what you were saying. It was yeah. like that last I mean, week when you said something and that was like totally different. They gave Jay Z an award for sampling her song. But like they awarded her. That's that's. I mean, what else are you gonna do? The person's dead. Yeah, but still, I don't know. It's kind of lame. 
<laughs> yeah, well, she's probably got family and stuff like that, so. Yeah, which is cool. Goes to that, which yeah. is a good thing. That's what I mean, like. Cool. Um, I'm a I'm a huge Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds fan, and I'd like to play a little clip of him talking about his uh, encounters with Nina Simone, and it's it's pretty interesting. Is hugely important to me. She is the real thing. We were obviously far from the experience of the blues people, but. For me, from a literary point of view, there was just there was just an extraordinary, uh, brutal, haunting use of words. Ain't got no home, ain't got no shoes, ain't got no money, ain't got no class. I tend to think that she sang other people's songs better, um, because of uh, how surprising and, and uh, her renditions were and how much she made them her own. Not that many years ago, I was hosting Meltdown South Bank and I was called to her room. She was sitting in a wheelchair, huge, with kind of uh, gold, kind of Cleopatra makeup on and this sort of a, a horrific expression on her face and sort of sitting around the edge of this room were these kind of her kind of flunkies who were kind of all quaking in fear of this woman. And um, I asked, you know, what do you want? And she, she said, I want you to introduce me. I want you to get it right. And um, I said, okay. And she said, I am Dr. Nina Simone. She was so terrifying and so belligerent. I'm like, okay, fine. And then she did the concert. She sat down at the piano, took the gum she was chewing out of her mouth and stuck it onto the Steinway and, uh, and glared at the piano like it was her enemy, and just thundered into this song. As the songs progressed, they got more and more beautiful, and she became um, inflated with the whole thing, and it was just an absolutely chilling thing to see. And by the end of it, she'd been kind of transformed and redeemed in some way. That's what I mean. She was like, she was a rock and roll. Like she was punk rock, you know what I mean? Yeah. She was just that attitude. She had that. She had that cool, I don't give a fuck attitude. Yeah, and it's not just about her. Um, in the um, 60s, she was with, she was in the civil rights movement. Uh, she was with Dr. King, not like together with, with, but they had met. But that, that was a movement that she was definitely involved in. Mm-hmm. And there was an occasion to where she had met uh, Dr. King and she's like, if you know anything about uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, he his approach was a, of a nonviolent, his protest of nonviolent protest. That wasn't the way he was wanting to get things done. But Nina liked her liked his message, and she came up to him and she goes, "Dr. King, I am not peaceful. I am violent," and. Gave her, gave him that good Nina Simone stare, and he's like, "That, that's fine, Nina. <laughs> that's fine." <laughs> We're gonna talk about some of her discography and some of her songs that, at the time, these songs were written were highly controversial. Controversial. So uh, Paul's gonna give us a little uh, uh, lyric reading of the song. I want some sugar in my bowl, written by. Nina Simone. It was adapted 
from uh, I Need a Little Sugar in My Bowl by Clarence Williams. But it goes like, I want a little sugar in my bowl. Mm, I want a little sweetness down in my soul. I could stand some loving. Ooh, so bad. I feel so funny. I feel so sad. I want a little steam on my clothes. Maybe I could fix things up so they'll go. What's the matter, Daddy? Come on, save my soul. I need a little sugar in my bowl. I ain't fooling. I want some sugar in my bowl. You been acting different, I've been told. Soothe me. I want some sugar in my bowl. Dang. Yeah, sometimes it, that was obviously a hypersexual message, which is fucking awesome. And Nina Simone was really good at conveying those, but as well as like her song, uh, Mississippi Goddamn. That song, that song said a lot. People weren't saying the words goddamn back then either. It was a, like we talked about before, it was a way conservative time back in this country. And our country is still kind of racist. <laughs> kind of. In this episode, I just kind of want to convey the power that she had. the And just her strength and and her um she w- she wouldn't back down from anyone and it was her commitment to she wanted either you either this is your country that you share with your with your people or you're being owned and she would be the first person to highlight those facts either this is a place for you or you're just worker bees for these of rich people that actually run everything. And she highlighted that a lot in her music. And she also highlighted the devastating racism that was happening at the time. And uh, Paul's going to read some Mississippi Goddamn. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. And everybody knows about Mississippi Goddamn. Can't you see it? Can't you feel it? It's all in the air. Can't stand the pressure much longer. Somebody say a prayer. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. And everybody knows about Mississippi Goddamn. This is a show tune, but the show hasn't been written for it yet. Hound dogs on my trail. School children sitting in jail. Black cat crossed my path. I think every day is going to be my last. Lord have mercy on this land of mine. We all gonna get it in due time. I don't belong here, I don't belong there. I've been stopped believing in prayer. Don't tell me, I tell you. Me and my people just about do. I've been there so I know. They keep saying, go slow. But that's just the trouble. Do it slow, washing the windows. Do it slow, picking the cotton. Do it slow, you're just plain rotten. Do it slow, you're too damn lazy. Do it slow. The thinking's crazy. Do it slow. Where am I going? What am I doing? I don't know. I don't know. Just try to do your very best. Stand up and be counted with all the rest. For everybody knows about Mississippi. Goddamn. Made you thought I was kidding. Picket lines. Schoolboy cuts. They try to say it's a communist plot. All I want is equality. For my sister, my brother, my people, and me. Yes, you lied to me all these years. You told me to wash and clean my ears and talk real fine, just like a lady. And you'd stop calling me Sister Sadie. But oh, this whole country's full of lies. And you're all gonna die and die like flies. I don't trust you anymore. 
They keep on saying, go slow, go slow. But that's just the trouble. Do it slow, desegregation. Do it slow, mass participation. Do it slow, reunification. Do it slow, do things gradually. Do it slow, but bring more tragedy. Do it slow. Why don't you see it? Why don't you feel it? I don't know, I don't know. You don't have to live next to me. Just give me my equality. Everybody, everybody knows about Mississippi. Everybody knows about Alabama. Everybody knows about Mississippi, goddamn. That's it. Well, it's, it's still going on today. A brilliant song. But mm-hmm. what it is is like the upper class want us to fight with each other so they don't have to do it. And the more we fight with each other, instead of all of us stopping and realizing that once we stop fighting each other and work together, that we're more, we're, we're bigger than they are. Yep. And that's divide and conquer. It's always been there. But especially for the people of color, is just been the scales, the finger has been way on the other side of the mm-hmm. scale for since the inception, since we stole this country <laughs> yep. from the Native Americans. Yep. And uh, hopefully someday that ends and um, everybody will realize how to work together. Someday soon. Let's hope so. Mississippi? God damn. What do you call a hippie's wife? What, what do you call a hippie's wife? Mississippi. God damn. <laughs> and Nina Simone is also known for some really huge songs like uh, I think it's I... I feel good. We just got that bow, 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 Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Did you ever hear that band called Jed Jed? Uh, no. There was a band that uh, a long time ago that would do um, like harmonies. Like well, they they would. I think it was just like a couple of dudes, and they would uh, do like thrash metal songs. <laughs> except they would do it like like Master of Puppets or something like that. With their voice. Jed Jed Jed. <laughs> It's pretty funny. So yeah, look up Judd Judd. Ah yes. Sometime on the internet. Well anyway, that's about it for our show tonight. Um we could go on and on about Nina Simone. But uh we'll be coming back to me and my boss Clayton were just talking about how there's an endless well of things that we can talk about on this show. So we picked a good subject for this podcast. I'd like to thank all of our listeners from all over the world, all 275 of you. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. We Thanks, really guys. do appreciate it. Um, we we want to entertain and we want to inform, and I hope that we're doing a good job, and we're just going to keep getting better and better the more comfortable we get doing this. Um, we do got some pluggables. Um, I'm in a band called Church Pants. Uh, we'll be playing at the Owls Club on the 14th of March here in Tucson, Arizona. 
with Shoulda Shook It and the Untied Snakes. Nice. And uh, that'll be a fun show. It should be a fun show. And uh, also want to plug the the place that sponsors us and lets us have our little recording studio for free. The the ever magnanimous Sean Burke and Clayton Clark, the uh, building manager at the Historic Y, my bosses, my owners. But if I was going to have an owner, I like having them as owners. They're really yeah. cool people. Very generous. And, I mean, we got the Audubon Society here at the Historic Y. We have two theaters. The Audubon Society. Do you guys hear me? You like birds? Go fuck yourself. You know you fucking love birds. <laughs> Who the fuck doesn't love a bird? You got yeah. a problem. I mean, I guess there's probably... Uh, what what are the bird bird species is uh, ornithology here's the definition of ornithology the scientific study of birds <laughs> that's what those guys do <laughs> but but there are two beautiful theaters that show show that have plenty of plays here that you can see almost year round um this building is awesome that's all i got to say do you have a clue yes. do you have the aclu yeah. We do. So. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah. And we have people that uh, practice acting. There's acting classes here. There's so, much, so many things. And there are also office spaces available if anybody wants to be a part of this little community of the arts and humanities. Yep. So that's what this building's all about. And I'm sharing a clay studio with uh, your lovely. And uh, hopefully I'll get in there start producing more stuff yeah yeah <laughs> if you pay scene. rent you should probably use <laughs> should probably use it use it some yeah and he's but going yeah to, my, i plan on I plan on getting in there and spending a lot of time and we'll have uh paul's clay sculpture auctions in in the future i'm thinking about making a bunch of mugs and like dishwares and stuff you guys need some dishes awesome ones i bet you guys don't even have any dishes awesome poor fucks. ceramic ones that yes. are like hefty and beautiful. That's right. That's right. We have Hidden Clay Studio. We have so many things here, and it's a great place to be right off of historic 4th Avenue here on University in Tucson, Arizona. So if you guys want to come over here and maybe uh, check out you guys, play. you guys could be our neighbor. Huh? Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? You could be in the same building that the Killer Music Podcast oh, records shit. in. That would be amazing. You'd be like, oh my God, is that a fucking crazy podcast? You'd feel, just, you'd feel super important just walking in, like, knowing that, that those knowing, facts. Knowing that, you'd probably like, birds, schmerds. But the... <laughs> yeah, the Killer Music Podcast. The Killer oh. Music Podcast goes in out of here. And those Fuck, I hope we can are, run into them one of these days. My band practice is here. This, this place is uh, supportive of people that want to uh, that really supportive of artists here the human communication studios in here but i'm going to stop plugging this building for a minute because people that don't live in tucson are probably going okay yeah so what so what but it's a it's a really really great place here where we live and uh we're really thankful for the kindness that has been bestowed on us that we get to have our little hole in the wall mm -hmm. to record in and it sounds pretty good in here yeah. Gosh darn it. Yeah, same. Um, support your local artists and support your uh, not-so-local artists. Support artists. Anyway, uh, I don't know what the show's going to be next week, and I'm going to quit saying that at the end of the shows because sometimes we just change our minds or just come <laughs> up with like, ooh, 
That would be cool. So, until uh, next week. It's going to be a mystery. It's going to be a little mystery. And God bless you, Nina Simone. Thank you for all your awesome music. Mm-hmm. And f- just for your the, the power you brought um, on Earth as a monolith of a human being uh, and a soul to be reckoned with. And I bet we're still reckoning with your soul every time we hear your music. You're amazing. Thank you very much. Good night, everybody. We're the Killer Music Podcast. Good night, Paul. Good night.